You're listening to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates, the Lutheran Witness. You uh, you probably get that in your mailbox each month, or maybe you get it electronically, and uh, perhaps you've been reading the Lutheran Witness for years, um, maybe only for a short time. It's a, a the periodical of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, a great resource, not only for learning of what's going on in the church, but also for supporting us in our daily lives and our vocations, uh, nurturing us in the Word. And it's uh, my privilege today to have a chance to chat with the senior editor of Catechetical Information, the Lutheran Witness, Journal of Lutheran Mission, Adrian Hines. Welcome back to Faith and Family. Thanks for having me. Glad to have a, a chance to talk with you. Adrian has some, uh, well, you have some exciting news. Your family has grown. Uh, the Heinz family has grown, and uh, your your vocation of mother is, uh, is <laughs> your duties as wife and mother ever increasing. And uh, so you recently shared that, uh, that you'll be stepping down as editor and uh, making room for someone else to take the reins. That's right. Yes, I have a I have a colicky ten week old, so that is a full time job in and of itself. <laughs> There's no time for anything else anymore. Let's go back in time to uh, your your path to becoming editor, uh, managing editor for the Lutheran Witness, and, and a part of the communications team here at the LCMS International Center. Uh, you've served now in in communications for some time now. How many years have you been editor of the Lutheran Witness? It'll be seven this month, so the biblical number of completion. It was the perfect time to step down and let someone else take the reins. I turned 33 this year. Jesus was 33. I mean, there's just there's so many reasons. No, uh, I've been here for seven years. I, I started as editor of the Lutheran Witness. I had done some editing for some smaller publications before and applied kind of on a whim, not really sure that I would, would get in, but... Um, but did and just learned a ton, just got to grow and develop in all sorts of ways, got to do some writing and editing and uh, PR work and social media work. It just kind of grew once I got into the office and and got to see what there was to do. So it started out in one direction and then kind of grew and morphed from there. And I'm, I'm very grateful for all those um, resources I got to to work on and people I got to meet and authors I got to work with. It's been a very full seven years. It's kind of a unique position. Uh, we've encountered that here at KFUO as well, because it's important to understand, you know, at KFUO, it's important to to have a strong grasp of the the the, the medium of radio and other forms of broadcasting, but also to to possess a, a this deep Lutheran ethos, this this world view, and to to be well catechized. That that was kind of a unique position, I'm sure, for you as well. Stepping into this position as as managing editor for the Lutheran Witness, not only do you have to understand uh, print and and this world of journalism and media but also to, to have a firm grasp of what it means to be Lutheran. Can you tell me a little bit about that uniqueness of the, the position of serving as editor of the Lutheran Witness? I think you described the combination well. It's, it's something that, uh, that I enjoyed. I was an English major and a theology minor, and I was fairly certain there would never be a position available where I could sort of wed those two loves of, of words and also of theology together. And then this position came along. So I, I really drew a lot on my degree from the seminary in Fort Wayne. I got a Master of Arts in Religion there. And I just, I would encourage anybody who's interested in theology to pursue a degree like that, even if you intend to do nothing with it, because 
the amount of information you learn and the history you learn and the the time spent just diving into the Word of God is never, ever wasted. And so those those years were very formative to me, and I drew on that daily while editor of the Lutheran Witness. I also leaned heavily on a variety of pastors, um, former pastors, current pastors, friends who were pastors, calling them with questions, with ideas for articles, talking to them about what sort of questions the people in their pews had, so that we could do our best to answer those questions to help our readers be thinking, speaking, articulate Lutherans who are able to talk about their faith easily and confidently. And and that was really, um, those two things were big, big helps to me just in being able to sort of give some direction to the magazine. And ultimately that was my goal was that the magazine would be would be helpful to people in the pew when they had questions, but that it would also serve as a resource or a reference for pastors, for Sunday school teachers, for uh, deaconesses, people who are teaching the faith, that when someone comes to them with a question, they can have that conversation and then say, and and here is what our church says about this. Take this magazine home, read this article, let's come back in a week and talk about it. That was really my goal, and I'm, I'm hopeful that's been the case. I've certainly heard from a fair amount of people that they've used it in that way. And that's been a great joy to me because that was absolutely what I had hoped it would do and, uh, and hope it will continue to do in the future. What were some of the changes that you saw or that, that you worked toward to bring about that, uh, that goal to work toward that goal of, you know, providing a, a, a meaningful resource for, for the layperson, for the church worker, for the pastor, uh, particularly to provide meaningful conversation around the word? I think part of it was just taking a look at all the, the publications that the Synod was putting out and saying, we're, we're kind of amalgamating a lot of things in one place. Let's be purposeful in each one to make them distinct and different. So the Lutheran witness could become not so you know newsy or or oriented towards stories, but it could really be a catechetical tool. It could really be a teaching tool. And once that was sort of made clear, then I could go through and work toward columns, our, our family matters column. Let's focus on uh, the people who are teaching the faith to our little children or the, the believe boldly column. Let's aim something at our high school and our college students to let them know that they matter to us. Uh, faith and culture. Let's take a look at something that's going on in the news right now and dissect it as a, a Lutheran would dissect it. So once it, it sort of became apparent that uh, the Lutheran witness really was going to be used for teaching solely, then we could kind of divvy up how that would look and some of the people who might be able to best receive uh, that information and share it with others or the people it would be most helpful to. Um, and that's where I get a, a lot of fun hearing back from people. You know, my youth group went through the Belief Boldly column this week and they loved it. Or I, I made copies of Faith and Culture and we passed it out at Ladies Aid this week. Um, to see it being used in the way that it was intended to is, is really heartening. And, and the other part of it is it, it has, um, to a certain degree, an, an older readership and being able to come in and say, all right, we know that our, our loyal, steadfast Lutherans are reading this. How do we start to draw in our young Lutherans? How do we start to draw in the moms and the dads that feel like they're too busy to sit down and read an article? What can we do to bring along some of these other people who may not feel like they have a place 
uh, in this magazine and give them something that, you know, while mom is making dinner, she can read a one-page article and get dinner on the table and put the kids to bed and still have been able to glean something from that. So there were kind of layers to layers uh, as we were working through what was uh, best suited for the magazine. But I think we've I think we've made great strides in that regard. What have you learned about the readers of the Lutheran Witness during your tenure? Oh, they love being Lutheran. And that makes my uh, my time there just so rewarding. So many letters from people saying, oh, I had this question for years and you finally answered it. Or I read this article and it was so, so comforting. I, I heard from a mom the other day who lost her child while still in the womb. And she had just read the latest issue on grief and death and dying. And she said, this is so timely. She said it was nothing new. It was nothing innovative, but it was so, so comforting. It was the things I needed to hear time and time again as I start to process through this. And that I think is, uh, is what you just hear time and again, is that people love being Lutheran. They love understanding what it means to be Lutheran. They love being able to talk about it. And, and that was the hope was that the Lutheran witness could be that tool to not only um, help them grow in their faith and in their, their love and their understanding of the Word of God, but that they would also be bold to confess that faith to the world around them, whether that's within their family or at work or with their neighbor over the fence, that they would be uh, unashamedly and unabashedly Lutheran. One thing that, uh, that I think you've done very well during your tenure is, as editor uh, is you have made use of, uh, employed the the talents of many people across the spectrum in our church body, from lay people to church workers to pastors, professors. Uh, You've utilized talent from across the board to to bring about writing and and, and great resources in the Lutheran Witness. What have you learned about the the talent and the the writing among Lutherans in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod? Well, I have learned that they do not love word counts. We struggle with that every time. You tell someone 800 words and they say, oh, this topic is so good. I had to write 1,600 words and I can't cut it down another word. So I've, I have learned that when you ask someone to write, they just they are so willing and, and able and uh, anxious to talk about the faith that it's hard to contain it. And that, uh, that can make your job as editor a little challenging sometimes. But, but it's fun even in that just to see people say, oh, there's so much to be said on this topic. I can't even narrow it down. Uh, I, I think the big thing is that we have so many wonderfully faithful minds around the Synod. And it doesn't have to be a seminary professor every single time who has something wonderfully helpful to say about the faith. But it can be the, the pastor in the pew Uh, You know, the mom at home bathing the baby who has insight in what it means to be a Christian mother, that we just have uh, such a wide variety of people who have been blessed with a vibrant faith who are willing to talk about it. And it was rare that I would have people turn down an opportunity to write. They're just, they're so anxious and eager to talk about it. So uh, for me, it was just a lot of keeping my eyes and ears open to people who could string a coherent sentence together and who were willing to talk about a, a variety of aspects of the faith. And it's fun for me to, to see, you know, a pastor from California, write And a deaconess from Indiana and, uh, you know, a dad from Wisconsin, there's such a, a variety. They all have a, a different skill set. 
and varied talents, but all willing to contribute to this publication that does so much for the church. And and at the end of the day, it becomes a little uh, a little glimpse into the church that there is such a variety of people being able to write for it, and pastors across the country um, being able to contribute to that teaching tool. So it it allowed me to certainly meet a variety of people and to see a lot of untapped talent out there, a lot of church workers that people may have never heard of, but who have wonderfully insightful things to say about the Christian faith. And so it was a real treat to be able to showcase them in that way. What was, what was the hardest issue to prepare? What was your favorite issue of the Lutheran Witness? Well, I think my, I'll do my favorite first. That's always the easiest. I think my favorite, we've done two or three sort of frequently asked question issues. And we just do a simple one page. Here's a question. Here's an answer. And they were all questions I would, I would put on Facebook or I'd pull uh, church workers and say, tell me what the people in your congregations are asking. Tell me the question you get asked the most. And then would reach out to people to answer those questions. And those were the most fun because they got the most amount of feedback. Uh, people would say, oh, my goodness, I'd never heard this before. That's not what my pastor says. Or I've had that same question for the last 20 years. So those, I think, were the most fun just to see what kinds of questions people are asking about what it means to be a Christian in, in the world we live in. And uh, what does our church say about this? And where in Scripture do I go to find comfort with regard to that issue? So those were a lot of fun to put together just because it kind of gave me a glimpse into what everyday life in the trenches of a a standard Lutheran congregation is like. Uh, Probably the more difficult ones would be one of the ones we did on persecution, where we take a look at, uh, you know, we may have things somewhat easy now, but what might this look like? What are our brothers and sisters in the faith in other parts of the world enduring? how, how have they been able to make such a beautiful and faithful confession in the midst of such hardship? I think those are very sobering and, and solemn in a good way because they teach us uh, how our Lord sustains his people, how he sustains his church. And even though we may not experience it, it, it sort of makes you halt and say, wow, if my, my brother in Christ across the globe is experiencing that. There's nothing to say that I might too one day experience that. And I better take a, a hard look at, uh, you know, at myself and what I believe and how, uh, how much time I'm spending in God's word and what's coming out of my mouth that, um, you know, that really affects that. So I think those are kind of opposite ends of the spectrum, but they're, they were good in very, very different ways. They both, um, they taught me through every article, and that was such a, a blessing, was to be able to learn something in every article that I read, whether or not it was one of the fun issues or one of the, the hard ones that really causes you to to reconsider and reevaluate and to dig more deeply into God's Word and what He has to say about all of it. In terms of the, the questions from, uh, from across the congregations, what was... Uh, or some of the more unusual questions, um, or were they all pretty uh, common, that's what I would have expected type questions? They weren't necessarily um, unusual, but I think some of them were were ones that I was a little bit surprised at. You know, someone would say, I, I lost a child through miscarriage. Where is my baby now? 
and you you stop to think here's this woman in whatever part of America who is struggling with this question and who genuinely wants that answer and so you're you're able to say you know go talk to your pastor go talk to uh, your sister in Christ who's been through this same exact thing, go sit at the table and have a cup of coffee, read through this article, um, be comforted by the Word of God, be comforted in what we know about our Savior who loves us and cares about us and, and says, let the little children come to me. So I, I think the surprise was not so much that the questions were unusual, but that there are people struggling with things that are that are in a certain sense quite common to a lot of us but don't necessarily know the answers or need to hear again uh, what the truth is and what God's Word has to say. And so being able to put that in a concrete way, in print, on a piece of paper, that that person can go back to time and time again when, when they are plagued by guilt or doubt or, you know, the devil taunts them in the middle of the night, they can go back and, and be comforted by God's Word and what He has to say. Um, I think that is that was the part that really struck me that we were able to to be come alongside people who are wondering and confused and hurting in that way and provide them with some really tangible uh comfort from our heavenly father what do you think you will miss the most about your work as managing editor for the the lutheran witness the, the deadlines definitely the <laughs> deadlines. no not the deadlines <laughs> uh, i i think i will in a, a, a very real way miss the people you get to interact with just such a wide variety of people or you meet someone and you tell them their name and they say, oh, I read your letter in the front of the Lutheran Witness and here's the issue I loved. Getting to hear that feedback, uh, meeting people who read the magazine and who love it, that is just so fun to me. And and regardless of where you go uh, in the country, in no matter the congregation, you meet somebody who has been uh, helped and heartened by the magazine. And that was always fun. I, th- I think in the back of my head, I thought maybe like my mom was the only person who was reading it and, <laughs> and nobody else was. And so to meet people who actually were reading it was kind of like a little Christmas present every time. Oh my gosh, this, this person in North Dakota read that and they loved it. That's so awesome. I want to go back and, and do something like that again. So uh, I think being able to, to meet the people who are actually using it, to be able to meet the pastors who say, you know, I had someone in my congregation challenge me on this issue, and I was able to pull out this magazine and say, no, this really is what our church says. This isn't just me making stuff up to, to make your life miserable. This really is what our confessions and, and what the Word of God say about this matter. And, and thank you for that resource so that we could have that hard conversation and, and be able to come out the other side. Those were, were very meaningful and rewarding to me. Anything else you've learned about about yourself, about our church, um, in your your time as editor? A, a lot of things. I I think I was, uh, you know, I was an introvert. I was I loved reading books, not necessarily, uh, you know, public speaking. Some of that wasn't my strong suit. And through this work, I've traveled across the country. I've spoken in front of thousands of people. I've gotten to meet thousands of people um you know we have a we have hundreds of thousands of readers we've gotten to interact with those i think all of those things change you in different ways there are skill sets that you learn that you can stand up in front of a lot of people and crack a joke and learn that people love to laugh and and they learn they love to learn about the faith that you you can be a part of that that was 
um, that was a big change for me for the the quiet, shy farm girl who was happy behind a book and happy behind a a red editorial pen to sort of get out and see all of that. So in those ways, I think it it definitely changed me. But at the end of the day, um, I mean, ever since I was a little girl, my parents have taught me and I have always I have always wanted to be a wife and a mom. And so as much as I have enjoyed my seven years, I am even more uh, happy and and feel even more rewarded by the work that I'm doing in my home, uh, taking care of my, my husband and my children. What are you looking forward to most about being a stay-at-home mom, although I can't picture you staying at home all the time? <laughs> uh, what are you looking forward to most uh, uh, about really being able to dedicate, dedicate uh, your full attention to these vocations of wife and mother? Yeah, right now I'm I'm able to work from home during naps and before and after kids get up, and so that that works well, and they don't really have to know that life is any different. But there is a a certain strain that goes with that that you're um, you're trying to to do and balance and and be all things to all people in a certain sense. And um, I can't remember the title of the book right now. It was written by Phyllis Schlafly's daughter, I believe, and she she said in there, you know, we have this. Thing now where we think moms and, and wives have to do it all and be it all. And she said, maybe, maybe that's the case. Maybe you can do it all, but you don't have to do it all at the same time. So my time for being a, a, you know, the single girl who got to travel and do all the fun stuff with the Lutheran witness, that time is over now. And now my time is, uh, is spent devoted entirely to my family and the people around me and taking care of, of my neighbors and my sisters and my friends and their kids and and that whole community. And so I think that that's something we don't often hear is that uh, it doesn't mean that being a stay-at-home mom is this life of, of drudgery and just scrubbing toilets all day. Uh, you, you still get so much joy out of all the things you get to do, and you, you still get to do it all. It just may be different seasons of life, and that's, that's good and, and perfectly healthy and normal. So um, I think it's just one of those things where society sort of tells us that, gosh, this is going to be a, a really mundane life for you. And instead, I just I see such blessed, ordinary days ahead of us just being getting to be a mom, getting to be with my kids. There's no one better suited to raise them than me. And I'll screw it up. And I've loved it up already. Uh, but by God's grace, we we plow forward and uh, and he promises to to bless even my horrible parenting days. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of joy in that. Anyone who thinks that raising young children is boring and mundane has not raised (laughs) young children. (laughs) That is true. And that is actually, I, I read this recently. Uh, Anthony Esselin talks about this. He said, you know, we talk about working moms and stay at home moms, like stay at home moms don't work. You know, (laughs) let's, let's call these things what they are. Oh, you work. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. So I think that's helpful too, is that we, we sometimes, you know, kind of misuse how we call it or we don't, uh, we don't act accurately describe those things. There's a lot of work that goes into parenting and, uh, it's good work and it's important work. And we do a lot of praying uh, as we go forward. That is for sure. Exactly. You, mom's work, dad's work. The question is, where is that work? Is it is it primarily at home? Is it outside of the home? Is it a combination? We, we're all working and we all have uh, important duties within our vocations. The question is, where is that and, and where can it be, where can we best be used? What advice do you have for the future editor of The Lutheran Witness? 
Oh, gosh, that's a good question. Uh, I, I think it will be good for that editor to lean heavily on the people who are um, who have the boots on the ground. It can be difficult when you're behind a computer to think that you know what the people in the pew or or the pastors in the pulpit or the Sunday school teacher in the classroom. It's easy to think you know what they need to hear. But the key is to actually go to them and say, how can this magazine be a resource to you? What can I do to come alongside you and support you? Because oftentimes I found what I thought was a topic or an issue that might be helpful was something people weren't struggling with. Uh, something that I sort of, you know, from my vantage point thought, wow, this is, we really have to, to push this idea or this topic. And then you'd talk to someone and they'd say, oh no, we've, we've been talking about that for years. We got that one covered. What I really need to hear about is this over here. Um, that would be my advice is just to stay so, so closely connected to the people who are actually using the magazine and actually reading it and, and the things that they um, need to know and have questions about, because that is when it's going to be a true teaching resource, not when my idea or the, the next editor's idea uh, is being kind of shoved at someone, but when it's something that a, a pastor says, we, we really need to be talking more about this, or, uh, you know, the DCE says, my, my kids in my uh, confirmation class or youth group class, we really, we really struggle with understanding subject X. Um, that's when the magazine can really, can really be helpful. So staying connected to the people who are using it um, and really listening to them will be a critical part of the, the editor's job. Adrian Hines, Senior Editor, Catechetical Information, the Lutheran Witness Journal of Lutheran Mission. Thanks so much for your service to the church, and God bless you in uh, getting to transition to, uh, to full-time stay-at-home mom. Thanks so much for your service, and thanks for being my guest today. Thank you, and I will be watching the mailbox monthly for the next issue of The Witness, that's for sure. Listen to Faith and Family Monday through Friday at this time. Faith and Family is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is needed for Faith and Family to continue. Our address is 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can contact us on the web and download Faith and Family at kfuo.org. Worldwide KFUO, on the air, online, and on demand.